Welcome to an incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, Associate Pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, guys, um, we are going to jump into the word this morning. Y'all ready to do that? We are continuing um, our series going through First uh, Thessalonians. And I've really been enjoying this. Um, you know, First uh, Thessalonians is, is a book that... Um, First and Second Thessalonians, although I've read them, I've never really studied them. And so I've really enjoyed this a lot. And so, uh, but today we are in part three. And the title of today's message is Worthless Accusations. Worthless Accusations. And we're going to be in chapter two. So feel free to flip there if you'd like. Um, but we are going to... Um, um, quick review in uh, week one, um, a few weeks ago in part one, we started by doing a little bit of, of, of background um, study on the city of Thessalonica, which is in modern day Greece today. And um, it was a very, it was a modern city in its time uh, where, uh, um, when Paul was, um, whenever he would have arrived in AD 51 and, and around that time. It was in the, in the province, in the, in the general area of Macedonia, and uh, it was also its capital. So it was a big city. It had a lot of trade routes going through it. So you had a lot of different types, different types of people from different cultures, different backgrounds, different religions, all converging in this area. And so um, that, um, you know, that kind of gives you an idea of the city that this church was placed. And uh, we also looked at um, Acts 17 because that is where we find the account of Paul in Thessalonica. I mean, I just love that. You know, I love getting to go back to the book of Acts and see where Paul was and what he did. It like really helps, you know, bring, Pastor Ron, you know, helps bring that, bring the, the letter that we're reading about to life, you know. And so, um, and we talked about how he, in Acts 16, he left Philippi came to Thessalonica, and while he was there, he began to share in the synagogues, and he was reasoning with the Jews. And it says for three weeks straight he did this, but no doubt he was there longer, and he was sharing, um, you know, uh, the gospel with Gentiles as well, meaning those who were non-Jew. And uh, over time, some of these uh, Jews that were in the synagogue, man, they gave their life to Jesus, which was a big deal. And then some of the people, you know, in the city, they gave their life to Jesus, and they ended up planting a church. And Paul, he encouraged them, he discipled them, and things were good. But he upset some people, some of the Jewish teachers of the law, and they got a group together, and they began to cause havoc, you know, on Paul in that church. So much so that, you know, they had to leave. And they end up leaving, um, you, know, you know, in the middle of night, you know, probably there for a good two or three months, somewhere around there, and they ended up leaving. Over time, Paul was really concerned about that young church because they had only been saved until he left, you know, at the most three months or so. And so uh, after traveling some, uh, you know, he went and he sent back Timothy, his, uh, his trusted assistant, and uh, he went back and he checked on them. He spent some time with them and um, Timothy met him back up in Corinth, and it was there that he gave him, report, he gave him a, a, a positive report. Although Paul was right, they were facing some heavy persecution. Timothy was happy to let them know that they were standing strong in their faith, that they were not giving in, 
And they stood true to what Paul had taught them. And this just encouraged him so much, so much so um, that he wanted to write them. And of course, there were some other things in that letter that he wanted to address, which are some that we're going to be talking about today. But we talked about that in week one. Uh, and then part two, uh, uh, we spent a little more time in, uh, in the first chapter, talked about how the Thessalonians, how because they were standing strong in their faith, it had, uh, I mean, it had really encouraged some. I mean, these guys were very productive in their faith. Not only were they standing with Jesus, but the gospel was going out. And they were sending it out. People were going out. It must have been as missionaries because Paul, when he got to Athens or to Corinth, he was running into people who, had, you know, who were already saved, and they let them know it was the Thessalonians. Those guys, man, I heard about what they're doing, and man... You know, I'm saved because of them. I mean, it really encouraged Paul. And so they were doing their thing, but most importantly, under pressure, they were still serving Jesus. And it encouraged uh, neighboring cities. And we got to remember that the closest town was 40 miles away. And, uh, and, but they were hearing about how they were standing in their faith, and it encouraged them. And it reminded us that you know, uh, just as people were watching the Thessalonians, people are also watching us. Amen. And, uh, and they are watching how you, how you walk out your faith, you know, uh, when times are good, when times are bad, when times are easy, when times are hard. And we're encouraged that, or people are encouraged that if you can do it, they can do it too. Amen. And so um, that was what we walked away with last week. And uh, that gets us here to chapter two. Now, um, we're going to read about 13 verses. I know it's a lot, but I really feel like it's, it's necessary. You know, I tried to figure out if I can do less, but I really feel like it does justice for the message for today. And so uh, I promise we're not just reading for no reason. But, uh, and what we're going to read, uh, Paul, he, be, you know, he shifts. You know, the first chapter, he's really encouraging them, and he's wanting to know how proud he is of them and letting them know of the report that he received and how he's hearing it from other, you know, from other people. He wanted to encourage them. Well, in chapter 2, it changes a little bit because he wants to address some things. You know, there, uh, you, you know, there were some people who were trying to discredit Paul and his ministry and his time there in Thessalonica. And uh, he wanted to address those things. And so uh, we're going to begin in verse 1 of chapter 2. So here we go. Paul says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. Okay, it, it, it wasn't without purpose. It wasn't fruitless. Verse 2, he says, But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, if we remember in Acts 16, we see the account of Paul in Philippi before he gets to Thessalonica. He was flogged, you know, you know he was beaten severely, and then he was thrown into prison. Now, of course, we know that he was miraculously delivered, but he's, he's reminding them that before I got to you guys, man, I mean, we went through some serious stuff, okay? So continuing, you know, we were shamefully treated at Philippi, but as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. It says earlier um, in chapter 1 that they were going through a, a, a severe persecution. So in the midst of that, they, they were still faithful in bringing the gospel. Verse 3, for our appeal does not spring from error. So here he goes. Now he's wanting to address some things. Okay, uh, it, you know, uh, our appeal did not spring from error or impurity 
or any attempt to deceive anybody. That's not what we were doing. Verse 4, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. That's what we are doing. Not to please man, but to please God. Again, he's addressing. We weren't, you know, man pleasers. We were pleasing God who tests our hearts. Verse 5, we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with pretext of greed. God is our witness. Nor do we see glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. So he's, he's addressing these things. Verse 7, but we were gentle among you. And this is where it shifts here. Halfway through, now he's letting them know. He's, he's setting the record straight. Let me tell you, I mean, you guys know, verse 7, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel, but also of our own selves, of our own lives, because you have become very dear to us. Verse 9, for you remember, brothers, he, he's banking on his relationship and his experience. They knew. Brothers, our, label, uh, our labor and toil, we worked uh, 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 our labor and toil, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses. You saw, you know, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. He's setting the record straight. Verse 11, for you know how like you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. That's what we did. And call, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And verse 13, which we're going to stop. We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the Word of God, which is at work in you believers. So I know it was a lot there, but Paul, he wanted to set the record straight. And I don't, I don't believe that he was concerned about these accusations, but it was enough that he wanted to remind them of that, number one, most importantly, that when they were there, we weren't, the, you know, it wasn't, our time there was not worthless. It wasn't fruitless. You know, we were, you know, he let them know we were not man pleasers. We were not trying, we were not greedy people. We weren't working, we weren't asking you for money. He's letting them know those things weren't true. And you know it, he says. But, and then he sets the record straight. This is what we did. We loved you. We cared for you. We were there for you. And we never asked anything of you. And he says, as you know, he was banking on the fact that they had a relationship and the experience that they had, you know, they remembered. And then he lets them know the one thing that we did is we just wanted you to walk in a manner worthy of God. That's what we, that's what, that's all we wanted for you. And so that's, you know, that's, you know, that's what he was saying here. And, you know, as we know, Paul gave his life to preaching the gospel. He gave his life to serve those who he was called to reach. And that included Thessalonica. Paul and his companions served the people he was reaching, and he faithfully preached the gospel and discipled them as they grew in Christ. With that said, there may have been some 
who consider Paul's time in Thessalonica not only fruitless, but for it to be a failure. You know, uh, uh, in, in the New Living Translation, in verse 1, uh, verse 1 reads, You yourself know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. He wanted them to know it wasn't in vain. Now, some would disagree. Now, why would they think that? Well, they might have looked at some of the things that they saw. You see, Paul was thrown into prison in Philippi. He was, he was beaten and flogged before arriving in Thessalonica. He caused problems in the city, it, you know, so much so that it caused a local commotion, a local, uh, you know, just a mob, you know, you know, you know rose up. Um, he was accused of being deceitful. Of, li- of being a liar and being somebody who was only in it just for money. And he was a self-promoter. These were things that were being promoted about him. He preached for a short time, and then he left. He was gone. You know, where did he go? Of course, he was ran out of town. And when, you, when, the, when people looked at it that way, some of his enemies, they were, listen, this guy he, he, was, he is nothing but a liar. That is what was promoted about him. Now, from that perspective, it could seem like Paul's ministry in Thessalonica could have been a failure. But we know that that's far from the truth. If you look in the natural and see only as man sees, then you will see, you could see nothing but failure. But, however, if you see things from God's perspective, you will see nothing but success. Amen? Because what actually happened is that Paul preached the truth under opposition, under persecution. He was faithful. He only sought to please God while he was there. He was doing his will. And on top of that, he was caring for the Thessalonians. I mean, it's, it's all right there. We just read it. He shared his life with them, along with Silas and Timothy and Luke and those that were with them. They, they worked hard. I mean, they worked hard. They never asked for anything of the Thessalonians. They, they didn't want to be a burden, and they were devout, honest, and faultless amongst them. And they treated them as a father, as a father would treat their own and encouraged them, if anything, to live worthy of the gospel. That is what actually happened, right? But that's not what the record showed by some. They painted a different picture. And that is what was published about them. That is, that is what was announced to the Thessalonians. But Paul knew that these were only accusations. They were only an attempt to try to discredit him, but he knew the truth. He knew what was, he, he, he knew it because his life and his actions, he knew were in line with God. He knew that he was in line with him, and he knew that the accusations would not stand. He was able to separate the truth from the lies. He knew what the record in heaven showed. He knew which perspective mattered, and it was the one that God was keeping in his books. Amen? You see, Paul had one goal. His one goal was for the people he ministered to in, in, in Thessalonica was for them to receive the word, 
to be born again and to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. And won't you know, that is exactly, exactly what we want for our loved ones. That's all we want. We want our loved ones to serve Jesus. You know, we want our loved ones to be born again, whether it be our, whether it be our children, whether it be our siblings, whether it be our cousins, our extended family, whether it be our friends, our coworkers, our bosses, whatever it is, our desire is that they would hear the word, that they would be born again, and that they would follow Jesus. Amen? Can I get an amen? That's our desire. That's our hope. That's what we hope for. That's why we do our best to, to be a witness for them. And, you know, Paul, he lays out a really good pattern for us. You know, he, you know, what he did, all he did was he loved them. He loved them. He was there to serve them. He spoke the truth in love. He, was, he shared his life with them. He worked hard amongst them. He, he was honest with them. He spoke the truth in love. I mean, that's, that's what he did. And by doing these things as we do these things, I truly believe that we can be confident knowing that we are doing our part as a witness to the people that God has placed in our life. With that said, we all know that there are times that it seems like it's not that way. Sometimes it seems like we haven't done our part. It, sometimes it feels like we've fallen short in that area. You know, we, we see our loved ones, we see our friends, and we think, man, I just want them to serve Jesus. And we're doing our best, but sometimes we just feel like maybe, you know, maybe I did something wrong. Maybe, maybe it was my fault. Maybe I failed. In the natural, it seems like we dropped the ball. In the natural, it may seem like we haven't done a good job. And in the natural, it may seem like we have fallen short. But the truth is much different. God sees a different story. You see, the devil wants you to believe that you haven't done enough. Come on. The devil wants you to believe that you have fallen short. The devil wants you to believe that you did not do a good job. He wants you to believe that you have failed. But that is not the facts. That is not the facts. You see, Paul, he knew the truth. And he was not concerned about the accusations because he knew that he had done his part. But they were trying. They were trying. And in the same way the devil, he's trying. He wants us to believe that our loved one's salvation depends on us. We have a part to play. We do. But only God can change a person's heart. Amen? He does it. He does it, and he does it in his time. And we can be confident in what we do. We can be confident in what we have done and continue to trust God for the rest. And, of course, they have a part to play as well. But the devil wants us to believe that it's all on us. That's what he wants us to think. Our loved ones, of course, they have a part to play. But the devil, this is what he does. In fact, it's all he knows to do because he is the accuser of the brethren, as Romans 12 says. You see, the devil, he wants to remind you of your sin. He wants to remind you of your past. He wants to remind you of your failures. He wants to remind you of your shortcomings. He wants to pull all those out and lay them out to make you feel like it is all your fault and that you have fallen short, and that is the truth. That's what he wants you to believe. But the facts, that is not the facts. That is not the truth. 
Because the truth is that the facts are in the blood. The facts are in the blood. Jesus, he died and he paid for it all so that whatever has been done, it's been covered by the blood. And you know what? He died for our loved ones. He shed his blood for our friends that we're ministering to, our coworkers, our family, whoever it is. And you know what? Just like he saved your soul, he'll save theirs. He can do it. We trust in him. And you know, whatever the devil is saying, most likely God is doing the opposite. That's probably what's really happening. Because the devil, while he is accusing, God is working. He is working. He is moving. You know, I, I remember uh, sitting down in the, in, in, in the conference room with Pastor Ron and talking about my brother. And, you know, I did everything I could and, you know, to be a witness to my brother. And honestly, I felt like maybe I wasn't doing something right. And I remember Pastor Ron, I'm, I know you remember what you told me. He told me to just love my brother. That was my job. And so I did. I said I just loved my brother. I just did my best to just love him and be the best brother I could be. He knew the truth. He knew. He, he watched my life. And slowly I saw him get closer to me. He started coming to visit. He went on a mission trip. He went on another mission trip. And lo and behold, over time, he, he saved his soul. He gave his life to Jesus. And I, And all this time, I was putting all this burden on myself. You know, I, I think I was just complaining because I felt like I did something wrong. That's what the devil wanted me to believe. But the truth was that God was working the entire time. And Paul, he was loving the Thessalonians. He was serving the Thessalonians. And, 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 and you know, whenever we do our part, it may take a month, it may take a year, it may take a decade, but in his time, he will do his part. Amen? God, we can trust in him that he will do it. Isaiah 55, 11 tells us this, that shows, so shall my word be, be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. But it shall accomplish which I purpose, and it sh- and shall exceed in the thing for which I sent it. You see, the word of God will accomplish what it is that He sent it out to do. Right. His His word never return back to returns back void. He will do it. He will, in His time, He will. You see, Paul was not looking at the thing, things from man's perspective, and neither should we. God gets the final word. And his word is the only one that really matters. You see, because the devil's lies against you are nothing but worthless accusations. Nothing but worthless accusations. Like Paul, we must continue to trust God. Reject the lies. Declare the truth of the word and trust God for the outcome. The truth will always outlast the accusations. And that is what we have to do. The facts are in the blood, and we lean on him and continue to serve him and outlast the devil's lies. The truth, or what we uh, 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 outlast, 
We must encourage ourselves to outlast the lies and continue to show love to our loved ones, continue to speak the truth, continue to care for them and be kind towards them and, and work hard among them and do what is right, pray for them and be faultless among them. All those things are our part and the rest we leave it to the Lord. Amen. We trust that he will do his part. And when we do our part, we can be confident that God is doing his. Amen. So a few takeaways. Number one is that the devil's lies against you are nothing but worthless accusations. If we can walk away with this to, 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 to understand that, you see, Paul, the accusations that were made against him, he knew. He knew the truth. He knew. He knew that they were lies. And I, I think that they were hoping, those who were making, they were hoping that it would make him give in, that it would make the Thessalonians give in, that they would believe a different story. But Paul was encouraged to hear that they didn't, and more importantly, neither did he. He trusted the facts, and he knew that they were just worthless accusations, and the same is true for you. You see, we have to reject the lies. Whenever we hear it, whenever, whenever, it, whenever that thought comes to our mind, we reject it and say, no, that's not, that's, that, is, that is not of God. Devil, you're a liar. You, that is not true. And whether it be for our witness, or, um, um, uh, for, um, our witness towards, our long, uh, towards our loved ones, excuse me, or it be towards anything else, we reject the lies. And then we declare the truth that the word of God is the word of God. And I know that he is going to do his part. I know I know that as I do my part, he's going to do his. That is what the word of God says. And sometimes it's just worth us declaring that truth. And then after that, we just continue, continue, continue to trust God for the outcome. Daily, trust him for the outcome. That's number one. Number two is that failure is never final. You know, we see that in Paul's life. Now, listen, we know that for Paul, it was not a failure. It was not. not. Not one bit. But that's what was projected about him. And there are times in life where we imagine that things are not going well for us. Things seem to be not going as well as we hoped and planned. Things seem to be falling apart. Or we may feel like we dropped the ball. But the fact is that God knows what he's doing. Romans 8, Romans 8, 28, excuse me, reminds us. So it says here, uh, he says in Romans 8, 28, that, uh, that God takes all things, all things, and, put, and works them together. He takes the good. He takes the bad. He takes the easy. He takes the hard. He takes the good times, the bad times, and he's taking them, and he molds them. That's what he's doing. He's reshaping them so that it works out not just for our good, but for his, for his glory. He is reshaping another story. What seemed out to be a failure at one point is going to turn into a success. God is able to turn our mess into a message, amen? He's able to turn our test into a testimony. That is what he does. You see, God ultimately gets the final word. And we want to make sure that he also gets the last word in our life. That we stick to what he says. That we lean 
on his word because at the end of the day, failure does not have the last word. Amen? And then number three, that our conduct, your conduct will always set the record straight. You know, for some reason, this really popped out to me. You know, how Paul, you know, he addresses the accusations, but then he, he leans on his relationship. I mean, they were there. They knew what really happened. And he told them, he reminded them that he was kind towards them. He was loving. He encouraged them. He, he, they only were sharing the gospel. He was not trying to please man. He was pleasing God. He was doing his part. And he was able to do that because he knew that his conduct backed it up. And that it, that his conduct at the end of the day is what set the record straight, not his words. It wasn't what he wrote. It's how he lived. How he lived mattered in the same way how we live matters. Amen? How we live our life matters. You see, nothing can take the place of character and integrity. Nothing can take the place of us doing the Word of God and us uh, do, doing what God has called us to do. And it will always set the record straight. We can always lean on the fact that we are doing our best. We, as, we, as we are follow the, following the pattern, you know, there's a pattern that we can lean on. When we, when we read the Word of God and we pray and we spend time, you know, um, um, in worship, all those things, it works. It's doing a work in our life, the Holy Spirit getting in us and working through us, the Word of God anchoring us down. As we do that, it makes a difference in our life when we trust the pattern and we, and, and we do our best to follow Him. You know, when we you know, when we live in a way that's worthy of God and that's worthy of the gospel, it makes a difference. And we can always lean that we don't have to worry about what is said because we know the truth. Let's us look at our life and ensure that it is in line with the Word of God every day. You know, it doesn't matter how old we get. That's something that we always can continue to assure that we are walking in a way that's worthy of God. Amen. You know, and, I, and, I, and I'm encouraged, you know, uh, in 1 John, he tells us that, you know, if we sin, if we fall short, he is faithful and just to forgive us. You know, we can always come to the Lord, and we can always lay it down, and He is faithful and just to forgive us, and we get back up, and we continue to follow Him. Amen? So our three points again. Number one, the devil's lies against you are nothing but worthless accusations. Number two, failure is never final. And number three, your conduct will always set the record straight. You know, whatever the devil says, you know, let's remember he's nothing but an accuser. It's, it's all he knows. It's all he, it's all he has. He has no real weapons. I remember being a teenager and really thinking that there was a battle between the devil and God. Like it was like some, some fight. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> Not close at all. He has no real power. As, you know, for us as believers, he has no power. The facts are in the blood. We can lean on him. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this dynamic message from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. 
Today and every day, God bless.